Rule 12 of Mounties Valley Girl Fight Club is no fake boobs. Welcome to the 202nd RTV Warriors podcast. I am Logan Saunders, and joining me, as ever, is the guy who loves cheesecake for breakfast, Michael Harmstone. Good morning, everybody. And I'm very impressed, because I did predict what your intro would be for me. And I thought you'd go a lot meaner than that, because there was a great one in there. What do you think I was going to call you? A hose? No, I th- I thought you were going to call me uh, the guy whose name is getting taken off our podcast when he dies. <laughs> oh, I, I but I like cheesecake though, so I went with cheesecake. Logan loves cheesecake. That can be our first hint of the week. Actually, one of my favorite uh, female UFC fighters, her nickname is Cheesecake. Um, she's Canadian. She's actually from Kelowna. Her name is uh, Sarah Morass, and she's going to be on the next uh, UFC card. She's actually not the next UFC card. I think she's on the Edmonton UFC card uh, the first week of September. This must be one of our podcasts. Logan's already talking about UFC. <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm really trying to gear us up for a for a UFC spinoff in case the American version of the Mason race does not have a season thirty. Just just in case, it's a backup plan. UFC isn't happening on this podcast. <laughs> Having said that, I did say that uh, Amazing Race Canada 5 wouldn't be, so who knows anymore? Yes, the mission for the summer is to get Michael into combat sports. Not happening. <laughs> if only you were Irish. If only you were Irish. I did see the Conor McGregor and um, and Floyd Mayweather roast, for want of a better word, this week. And that was quite entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I've tried to ignore most of that, because it's just breaking my heart as a UFC fan to see Daniel Cormier and John Jones' big main event in a couple weeks be virtually ignored because of this farce. <laughs> it is a farce because they're both gobby shites, <laughs> which makes this utterly hilarious. <laughs> All right, let's kick it off with... Do we really need to recap what happened in the first episode? I feel like there's nothing really worth to recap there. Um, No, I mean, Monty does seem to be leaning towards doing Wu-style puns, though, because he was trying some out in this intro. Stuff like Aaron and Deb's race being put to rest, that sort of thing. Yeah, who's going to do the... You, we, we eulogized them last week, I guess. Well, we literally eulogized them. I mean, it, it's not like Floyd off of Becca, who is actually dead, but it's close. I love how Monty said that last week the race went from ecstasy to agony, because judging by the high energy level of some of these teams, it did look like they were on ecstasy. And the more morose teams were probably on agony, the new drug from Prague. It's a made-up drug. And this is something that's been on my mind for two weeks now with both intros, but 
Where is this indoor volleyball court that Sam and Paul play at? It is this. It looks like it's in somebody's basement. It's completely indoors. It looks like it has no windows, and the room looks tiny. Let's be honest. There are worse things that Amazing Race teams have done in a windowless basement. <laughs> oh, I don't even want to guess who that would be. I have a, I have a feeling the direction you're going to go with that, but no. And for that matter, certain NPCs from Hunted, for example. <laughs> I have to give Blaze a shout out occasionally. Yeah, I figure that has something to do with the Sonic the Hedgehog character. Yeah, otherwise he tries to kill people. All right, so did you know that they're gonna? The whole surprise for this week was that they were gonna go to Fort Mac. For the viewers not from Canada, they probably that thought that Fort Mac was inspired by uh, a rapper. And for listeners of our podcast last year, you'll remember that we actually joked about Amazing Race Canada going to Fort McMurray this year. And what do you know? They listened to that bit only. We got trolled big time. We really did. I mean, I do think that we need to bring up Bickerton's tweet. Oh yes, what was that? You wanna you wanna go over that tweet since you were the one mostly involved with that? So, friend, well, loosely friend of the podcast, Bickerton, showrunner for Amazing Race Canada Five, did send out a a tweet on Wednesday, I think it was, that um, made me chuckle because it was. It was basically Jade thrown at us, let's be honest. I'm just trying to bring it up now, because I did retweet it and give him a Saki response. Mike Bitten said on Wednesday, Catching up with Amazing Race Canada tweets and blogs, I absolutely love seeing the highs, lows and vicious reads that our viewers dish out. And given that we know that Mark Lysakowski does, well, was commenting on Kurt and Shelley's recap... I think they might have been throwing shade at us, given that we were the most overwhelmingly negative people about that episode last week. Yeah, and of course we get the first giver drop of the episode. How many givers were uttered in this episode, Michael? Two. Just two? What do you mean only two? I can't possibly calculate two. It was just two, and I was having this chat with Kurt yesterday. I think there might have been some hasty editing given the backlash towards the ridiculous amount of givers and airtime for uh, for Kenneth and Ryan last week. I think they, it looks like they still got quite a bit of backlash for Kenneth and Ryan this week, too. Well, when you engineer a situation where one of the most annoying teams in the entire Amazing Grace is in control of not one, not two, but three express passes, you're going to get some backlash. You joked that Kenneth and Ryan were going to find all three express passes, and lo and behold, out of all the permutations of who could find each express pass, sure enough... With nine teams in play who could have picked up one apiece or something like that, or any combination of teams, Kenneth and Ryan claim all three. As I said, we got trolled big time during these first two weeks. It's almost like I'm good at my job. (laughs) At least producers made sure the rule was in place so that a team could not hog all three express passes. Yeah, but in a way it's actually worse, and I'm not sure we should bring this up just yet, but... The fact that they're engineering a situation where, in like two, a third of the teams now have an advantage. That is like, on a season of Survivor, giving eight different people immunity idols at the start of the season. It's actually more than the third because Kenneth and Ryan have until the end of next round to give out both of the express passes. They already gave one out this week, but essentially, I mean, Dan and Rhea can't really receive an express pass uh, this round. And if a team gets eliminated next week, then we could very well be in a situation by the end of the next episode that three out of seven teams could be in possession of an express pass. 
Yeah. It's just stupid, and I don't understand why production keep harping on with the Express Passes. I think they just want like some big moment that everyone's going to talk about with the season. So if you have a million Express Passes, then one team is bound to have to save themselves with it or get eliminated without using it. I think that's the only thing they're going for, and because the past three seasons in the Canadian version have been extremely dull with the Express Passes and pretty much every international version ever except for two scenarios I can think of, and all the other ones have ditched the Express Pass. I think the only reason why they bumped it up to three is because they saw that just two hasn't worked out for any other franchise. So maybe if you give half, nearly half the teams an Express Pass, then you're going to get that artificial drama that they've been craving for half a decade now. It just is ridiculous. It really is. And I don't think we'll ever see a scenario again where a team is going to go home without using one because the reason why it happened back-to-back is because Kristen and Darren didn't see what happened to Jessica and Anders in Amazing Race 22, which is why they fell for the same trap of not using it. And that is why nobody else since then has gone home without using it. And because the top teams typically have the Express Pass, nobody's been in a dire enough situation where the Express Pass is the reason why they survived around. An interesting idea would be, on the first leg of the race, saying at the start line, there is an Express Pass on offer this leg, but it will go to the second-to-last team to arrive. Oh, so they actually have to gamble for it, to try and like intentionally sabotage themselves on the first leg, just so they can get the Express Pass. That would be an interesting twist. That would be the sort of twist that the, uh, the Express Pass would need. I think so, yeah. Rather than, you know, chucking as many as you can into the game. Because it's it's getting to the crucial point of, you might as well just say, everyone have an Express Pass, have fun, bye-bye. Because what happens if it doesn't work this season? They'll probably try four, let's be honest. You think they're going to go four next year if this doesn't work? Yeah. And what if this? Do- what if they do get that mag- magical, dramatic moment this year? Do they just stick with three? Do they cut back to two? Do they say, hey, we got our Express Pass moment of the franchise, so we don't need to do it anymore? Well, what would they do? Let's be honest, they don't know how to learn a lesson. So they'll keep with three, probably. Okay, so um, I thought I would switch up the format for this week, and instead of just Who's ready for to... a takeover? <laughs> instead of jumping back and forth in the timeline like we usually do in the episode, and try to combine the tasks and the moments... I thought we would separate the two and talk about all the tasks first and then the moments from all the teams because I feel like we can get through the tasks rather quickly since I don't think there's much to talk about with these challenges. Yeah, but before anything begins, why are production perpetuating the Canada's favourite summertime adventure myth? I think that's going to be a weekly occurrence. So do I, and it made me laugh so much when I was watching it. Canada's favourite summertime pastime. Summertime adventure. Summertime adventure. You will. This is Canada's summertime adventure, and that is rule number eight of Monty's Fight Club. No other summertimes have a, as great of an adventure as us. You gotta have fun, guys. Where's your fun meter? In my bug already. <laughs> so anyway, so the challenges. The adventure ropes course. Last year, I did my first adventure ropes course, and I know you did one, Michael, too, uh, somewhat recently. I did one in Revelstoke, and I must say, compared to the one we saw in Fort McMurray this week, the one in Revelstoke is way bigger 
and way more physically demanding. That's why in my predictions for this week, I thought the physically fit teams were going to do extremely well because of how many tasks looked physical. But really, this task was very luck-based, heavily luck-based. Yeah, and I did my first high ropes course last year as well, setting a speed record, as I have mentioned on the podcast. And mine was like full of zip lines and stuff. Yeah, as was mine uh, that I did uh, last year too. So to see the Fort McMurray one, I'm thinking that has to be the smallest ropes course I've ever seen. Was that specifically designed for Amazing Race Canada, or is this just? I I I, I work with people who are from the prairies. Like people, two of my coworkers grew up in Lloydminster, which is on the border of Alberta and Saskatchewan, and. I guess there's like this rock climbing place where it's just this rock in the absolute middle of nowhere and it's like two seconds to climb it and that's it and it's supposed to be this big attraction and then when they came to BC and did the rock climbing in BC they're like well we're not going to do any rock climbing in the prairies again and then sure enough with this ropes course they don't really just have that landscape to do it so that's why it's such a small build and why the ropes course was like is this or is like the double diamond course and all this other stuff. This is this is looks like a kid's birthday party more like and it's and they're just hiding express passes and fragments of clues. So I guess if there's just one fragment in each of the things and there's what fifty locations that they could search in, so that's thirty out of fifty would have been hidden either with an express pass or a fraction of a clue. So the teams that got there earlier had the really high chance of collecting one right away, thus increasing their lead compared to the teams who got there later. And I can't believe I'm defending Dan and Rhea of all people, which it won't be the first time I'll defend them on the podcast this week. But them and Corey and Nevada were essentially going to be screwed over by the time they got there because their chances of finding anything was really low. And then Adam and Andrew were able to luck out, which was a good thing, and uh, propel ahead of them. I mean... I don't hate that they that's how they distribute the express passes. I would have preferred it if there was one or none in there, but I don't hate it because it was more luck based than, you know, just giving it to the best team of the season. What I have a problem with is the guide telling everyone the express passes had gone. I don't think the guide needed to announce it though. <laughs> I think Kenneth and Ryan did a good enough job of that on their own. I think that it was more of a sarcastic response from the guide. Oh by the way, guys, in case you didn't hear that guy screaming over there, all the express passes have been found. Spoiler alert. In theory, <laughs> there should be the risk and reward of it. There should be teams keeping it secret and then everyone leaving when they think that they're, all the express passes are gone rather than just announcing it to everyone. But, yeah. Unfortunately, that wasn't even a possibility when you have, when you have Kenneth deciding that. He's like, you know what? This doesn't need a mystery. Let's just shout her out, you know. <laughs> Let's shout her. <laughs> I was just going to say shout her. <laughs> and I'm thinking, why do they do it this way compared to the past two years where you needed to do a complete side task and waste anywhere between 20 minutes to an hour to find a double express pass? And I think my theory, no, I, I do know what my theory is. My theory is that, you know, season three was Hamilton and Michaela who found it, and they were... Uh, really strong team for those first few rounds until the whole passport mishap. And they were able to claim and still have a high standing for, for the round. And then Steph and Kristen were able to peel away, and they still finished in sixth place. And, of course, they had a humongous run uh, during season four 
So I think they realized that the only teams who would risk going for the express pass, which is what I outlined in my predictions blog before I knew exactly how it was going to be hidden in the episode, was that the only teams who would go for the triple express pass this week would be the teams that would feel they were strong enough to sacrifice a temporary lead to have an, a minor advantage for the rest of the game and really keep the express pass out of the hands of a team who would be in that rare percentile of using it to genuinely save themselves and make their express pass remotely interesting for once. And we forgot to mention that this was a Canada 150 challenge because uh, higher ups courses are Canada's favourite pastime. Yeah, it's the favourite uh, prairie obstacle courses. Yeah, it's the most Canadian of all hobbies. Yes. Officially to all the other countries in the world, it's uh, it's hockey, but actually it's really high ropes courses. <laughs> but yeah, l- lacrosse was our second uh, invention. Um, and then the next task, of course, was... That would have been the detour, right? Eh? That was... Uh, the, the, I forget that the ropes course was actually the roadblock, because it's like roadblock mixed with express passes. On the subject of the roadblock, just one more thing. I will say that I quite like that they made the roadblock do something else. Because this has only ever happened once in Amazing Race history before, which was in Amazing Race Philippines 1, where the roadblock was to climb a climbing wall, and it was actually climbing two climbing walls, because halfway up was a yield board. Oh, really? Yeah. So I like that they just hid another route marker in the roadblock. It just wasn't great television. Yeah. No kidding. Just to see. It's like, each time that Kenneth and Ryan found an express pass, you could hear the audience being collectively stabbed in the stomach with each one it was like three it was three drag daggers in a row it felt like it felt like a bruce lee movie do you think that they should have just limited it to one per team and say you can only pick one up that's what i would have done yeah i think it's a bit ridiculous to see a team pick up three especially because the leading team would have the highest odds of finding all three when it's just a short drive to the airport from what i can see unless you're at adam and andrea down Highway 69, tee-hee-hee. So yeah, I think I would have just limited it to one per team. Because then you would have had some... You would have had Megan and Courtney probably find one, and Andrea and Ebony, which would have been kind of cool to see. Especially because now Andrea and Ebony can just skip out on any mental challenge down the road. I don't know. They did pretty well on the uh, the helicopter task. Riding the helicopter? Or do you mean the math challenge? On the math bit. Didn't they do trial and error? Yeah, they did trial and error, but they still left their second. They didn't lose any placement out of it. That's true. I guess they could have come up with like a worse strategy, like taking another penalty or something. Yeah. You know, I guess I can't make fun of them. T- I can't make fun of them too much when trial and error. I mean, is a pretty reasonable strategy to do when you have that big of a lead over the other teams. Yeah, when Dan and Rhea are still in the race, you can kind of do trial and error if you really want to. Trial and error. Maybe go grab a snack, grab a drink chat with the other teams who come by and be like, okay, okay, now Dan and Rhea are slowly catching up. We can get into the chopper again. Having a bit of a snooze. <laughs> Hit the snooze button three times. you still got time. Ebony could put her face mask on that she loves so much, the, the kitty one. Oh, face masks. <laughs> um, anyway, so, yeah, and then we had the detour task, which was the fire hose. Who wants a drink from the fire hose? versus the an all-too-familiar Amazing Race task in the form of clay shooting. If you're ever going to do the clay shooting task, you have to oppose it with the winery task and make it guns or rosé. Come on, guys. 
know your Mason Race Australia won history producers. Come on, you got you got to do better puns than that. Exactly. If you're gonna let Monty lean into the woo curve, you do have to basically accept the puns for details. Speaking of which, how many times do you think Monty shot his ex? No pun intended. How many times do you think Monty shot his uh, clay pigeon shooting explanation, where they show him hitting the target on his first shot? I think he had to do that a few times. Knowing Monty and knowing the press pictures that always come out of Monty, probably not that many times. He is a bit of a show-off. Yeah, that's why you don't break the rules of Monty's Fight Club, because, man, you're just bringing a knife to a gunfight. And I mean, this comes from a place of love. My love for Monty is very well documented, but he is a bit of a show-off in the press pictures. Like last week, we had one of the pictures was just him sort of shrugging on the tightrope, like, this is nothing, guys. I could fight someone up up here. (laughs) I could do this on one foot. Rule 9 of Monty's Fight Club. Tightrope matches are acceptable. (laughs) Who wants to be the Monty Python? (laughs) See, that would have been better. (laughs) Um, And, uh, yeah, it's too bad that uh, I think all the teams did reasonably well with the clay shooting task because Nicole wasn't there. Never go, Nicole. (laughs) It would have been funny. It would have been the only way that Dan and Rhea had a shot at surviving uh, this round. It would have been an even more emotional moment if Nicole would have been there, you know, not giving up. And then you would have had Carol and Brandy at the pit stop there saying, he doesn't even know the Canadian National Anthem! Oh, Carol and Brandy, are you you glad they're out of the rank down already? (laughs) Yes, I am. And we should plug the tower rank down. Um... For anybody who has ever thought about going on to the Mason Race Reddit, on there is a link to the TAR Rankdown where me, Michael Harmstone, and five other Mason Race superfans on Reddit are ranking all 322 uh, Mason Race America teams to ever race. And we are about three rounds in, and I tell some never-before-told uh, stories before, and really in-depth analysis. I think you've told the Aaron and Jocelyn story on the podcast. Probably uh, not not as quite as uh, extreme of detail, I don't think. You've definitely told it to me before. I think you did on the podcast. I, I know I have. I think I told it to you when I met up with you, because uh, I think I may have just only told you that in person, maybe not on the podcast. Yeah, that, that might be right, actually. I know I've definitely heard that story anyway. Yeah, because I met, met that guy about two weeks yeah, it would have been about two weeks before I met up back up with you in England. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, I probably told you that. Yeah, maybe even before I got there, I probably uh, told you about it. Um, so anyways, yeah, check it out. Um, very active threads, all three of them, just between the seven of us uh, discussing everything. You're telling me I'm the one who sets them up and gets all the notifications. Yeah, all seven of them for each thread. So anyways, yeah, check that out. Because it's probably more interesting than uh, Castlegar and Nelson BC next week. So anyways, yes, there's a clay shooting task, which, I mean, I don't really have anything to comment on there. It's something we've seen several times before without any remake or remix to it, other than Dan not knowing what the word was when the detour is called pull it. (laughs) Do I go for that joke or do I not? (laughs) Well, they did, Dan and Rhea did laugh at Highway 69, so I'm sure you can get away with whatever's on your mind. Take it away, Michael. No, I'm I'm going to be the bigger man and not do it. <laughs> You're going to be the bigger man and not pull it. I'm not going to pull the trigger on that one. Ooh, okay, 
So then we get the other Detroit choice, which, I mean, for a Fort McMurray task, you know, like, this is what, when I'm watching this episode, I know this filmed probably at the very end of April. The big fires happened there last year on May 2nd or May 3rd is when the fire started, when it was really ablaze. And I'm thinking, they're just a few days off of the anniversary, and they have created five smaller fires for for inexperienced firefighters to try and put out. Thank God this was a limited stations detour. If they had ten small fires set up right around the anniversary of probably the most devastating fire-related tragedy in Canadian history, that would have been in a really bad taste, in my opinion. And you know the best thing about it is that Sam actually disparaged how big the fire was. He wanted the fire to be bigger. He's like, dude, have you seen the surrounding area? Maybe not a good idea to have bigger fire. We want it to be more challenging. Uh, judging by what happened about 360 days ago, I think this small fire is more than enough. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, on one hand, yes, it's a dedication to the firefighters, but on the other hand, you just can't help but but cringe just a little bit. Just a little bit. And which detour would you have chosen, Michael? Uh, well, given the the speed that teams got through, pump it, probably that one. And the first five teams all knew that one was going to be the easier one, because that one, everyone went to right away. All five stations were taken up, and then everyone was redirected to pull it, which clearly looked like it took a bit longer, because except with the exception of Kenneth and Ryan Stumble, I don't think anybody else caught up to the teams who did pump it. Yeah, it's, it's brute force as opposed to skill, so, you know, it's it's kind of a, a no-brainer, really. Yeah, like, it was heavy to carry around that pump, but it wasn't impossible. Like, Andrew and Ebony didn't even switch detours. Neither did Megan or Court- nor Courtney uh, this week. They were willing to be like, well, this pump is really heavy, but let's just carry it to the end, because clearly, I mean, you just suffer now, and then you get to be a champion later, in the words of, uh, in the words of Ivana. It's, um... It was 120 pounds, I think. Yeah, that's not much weight to distribute between two people. I know we're saying this as two dudes, but, like... Yeah, but it's two dudes, one of whom, aka me, is really, really weak, so... <laughs> yeah, and I, I have, like, and it's no secret that I have no upper body strength either. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a runner, not a, not a bodybuilder. <laughs> runner, not a lifter. Runner, not a lifter. <laughs> do I even lift, bro? No. No, I do not. <laughs> yeah, so if we did this deal, we probably wouldn't be... The, well, we wouldn't be the best at it. Andrew and Ebony and Megan and Courtney would probably have an easier time carrying around that pump than we would. Yeah, yeah, probably, actually. Given that um, £120 is probably a smidge under a third of my weight. Uh, two-thirds of my weight, sorry. I'm not that fat. Yeah, I guess between us we'd probably be able to carry that. Yeah, because I'm, I'm once... I'm a, I think I'm... Last time I weighed myself was a week ago, and I was 161, 161 pounds, which I don't know what that is in kilos, and I am surprised no Canadian viewers were upset that the teams referred to the weight in in pounds rather than the Canadian uh, measurement of kilograms. Well, referring to stuff in, in pounds is very un-Canadian. Yeah, we're, it's just American imperialism. We're so influenced by them. How dare we mention it in pounds? In kilos, that's 73, by the way. 73 kilos, yeah. It's like... I didn't feel like dividing it by 2.2 in my head. <laughs> so all of our metric listeners and listeners to the weight, not the band. There you go. There's your answer. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, you, uh, Pump It definitely looked like the easier one on paper, and then clearly it played out that way too. And then, of course, in Amazing Race Canada fashion, we get a task that is not very entertaining to watch on TV and was pretty dull and a dull cluster of tasks this week, but it's a purely mental math challenge where the only real clips from it was, was uh, Kenneth and Ryan having their first stumble after two episodes and then Megan excelling enough to the point that her and Courtney won the leg. Yeah, and, and also just Kevin and Ryan being really pissed that they couldn't win a leg. Yes, after two episodes. There's still there's still nine more to go, guys. I think you're going to win a win a few more along the way. Just a gut feeling. Which was very pleasing to see, because I don't think anyone likes Kevin and Ryan. Uh, Kenneth and Ryan. And what made it even sweeter is that the team who loves cheesecake for breakfast is the team that won this leg after... This is the second season in a row where a team that l- left the second pit start in dead last ends up winning the leg. That very rarely happens, and yet we've seen it in back-to-back seasons thanks to Liz and Michael. Yeah. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, Liz. I thought we were going to be the only team to accomplish this feat. But no, our neighbors, our lame neighbors up north had to do it. We, newfies, newfies, Liz. Newfies are equal to us. And that is that is an abomination, Liz. I was going to say, you can't mention Liz and Mike without doing your Michael impression. <laughs> Which weirdly sounds like it has got better since uh, since we covered Tar 29. <laughs> also, on the subject of Tar 29, depending on whether I actually upload this today or not, happy birthday, Joey. It's Joey Cavino's birthday! It is indeed Joey Cavino's birthday. I'm Joey Cavino, it's my birthday. <laughs> that was the worst impression you have ever done, of anyone ever. We're going to go to the park later. We're going to go to the park with Tower. We're going to have some cake. We're going to watch the Red Sox whoop the Yankees' ass. That's more Gilbert Gottfried. (laughs) (laughs) And then we're going to play some billiards. We're going to play some eight ball. We're going to play some eight ball on my cousin's cue ball. I also have to apologise to anyone who actually subscribes to us because over the past week, due to SoundCloud generally, uh, I have been transferring the hosting over, and they sort of forced my hand on it, so I've been having to upload massive batches of episodes to transfer them over to uh, to our new host, Podient. And um, I did have a message yesterday saying, by the way, you're, you're removing the, the episode numbers has, uh, has caused everything to go unread again, and I'm just like, no, it's just because I'm changing hosts. The reason that was brought to mind was the whole Gilbert Gottfried thing, and um, I did upload the the bonus from one of our Amazing Race 28 podcasts, where I did the entirety of Gilbert Gottfried reads Fifty Shades of Grey, which is awesome. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, with you just giggling in the background of Michelle going, you cannot put this in the episode. You cannot leave this in the episode. <laughs> so yeah, so the math task, I think that would have been something that we'd both do well at. I'm not the best at math, but I'm really good with like patterns and statistics and stuff, so I think I would have been able to catch on to the pattern. Even though, like, math is supposed to be full of patterns, but just the way it was set up, I think it's the type of math I could do well at. If it's, like, geometry or trigonometry, then I am just absolutely hopeless at it. I think it'll shock people to hear this, but given that I am the curator of the internet's biggest Amazing Race spreadsheet in terms of all the stats and stuff, I'm kind of a maths guy. (laughs) Shocker. 
Yeah, I would have been massively annoyed at myself had I not smoked this task. You would not have five-holed it. No, I at least I hope I wouldn't have. And of course, we get Golf Course Redemption, where teams had to fly by helicopter and then run through 16 holes on the Fort McMurray Golf Course. I didn't even know they had a golf course there. I guess there you don't have to worry about hitting the ball into the trees. I didn't even know they had an airport. Yeah, well, I know they had to, they they have to have an airport because there's so many oil workers who, like, usually what happens with Fort McMurray because when I was in Europe and then just knowing people from around where I live, in fact, people I've graduated high school with have uh, worked in uh, Fort McMurray. But essentially, what you do is you work in the oil camp in Fort McMurray for two weeks and then you fly back home for two weeks and then they always. They always pay for your airfare back and forth, I think, most of the time, and they'll do private charter flights through three cities around Canada, I think, have specific private charter planes that land in Fort McMurray for the oil camp workers. But you have to depart at very specific times to be able to take the private charter flights, otherwise you're stuck with Air Canada or WestJet on one of those bigger planes. Yeah, because that was a, an Air Canada Express one, wasn't it? Yeah. But yeah, they do, uh, just, I was even talking, because there's a uh, a lot of camps like that in northern Canada where you wouldn't think they would have an airport, but how are they going to get people that go home to Vancouver, or Edmonton, or Toronto? Actually, um, on my flight back from Toronto to uh, Kelowna, well, I connected through Vancouver, but to get back home, my very final day of flying to get back home to Vernon after backpacking for four months, I was seated next to a guy who worked up in Fort St. John, which is even smaller than Fort McMurray, a lot smaller than Fort McMurray. And it's another like oil slash mining town or something like that. And I was seated next to a guy who was telling me that, uh, yeah, they do private, they do private flights and stuff for a bunch of them. And sometimes he gets on and sometimes he doesn't, depending on if he wants to be there at like midnight or something and how much time he wants to spend with his family for the two weeks. And when he's able to get out of there, but He'll go all the way from Toronto to Vancouver to Fort St. John. That's how he does it every two weeks for the past several years. And he paid for my meal on the flight. Oh, that's nice of him. Yeah, and then I, I talked to him a little bit in the Vancouver airport because we both had a layover. But yeah, interesting final guy to uh, chat to on my travels. So what you're saying is that everyone in Tar 29 was basically an oil field worker, given that they got a private jet. Yes. <laughs> We're going to work up north, Liz. We're going to think about how we're going to get revenge on Brooke. <laughs> I shall bring this up with Brooke and Scott on Sunday. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, golf course redemption because I don't know about you, Michael, but I had some PTSD with the uh, golf course because the only other time we've seen a golf course on Amazing Race Canada was when Gino and Jesse won season three during the final leg in Whistler. So luckily, this golf course won. Not only do Megan and Courtney win the leg, but Dan and Rhea get eliminated. I wish it could have been Kenneth and Ryan, because can you imagine them being eliminated with three express passes? What happens to the all... Would they just not reappear then if they just go home with all three? Or I guess they would have... If they just decided not to give one away to Karen and Bert? And then we wouldn't have to deal with the express passes for the rest of the season, hogging up our precious airtime. Yeah, they they wouldn't have been able to reallocate them because they can't do another triple express pass task. That's true. It would have been awesome. Imagine, yeah, that would have been an awesome second episode. I would happily have Dan and Rhea in for one more leg if it meant that we could get rid of Kenneth and Ryan. 
Yes, I've, I'm sure like 90% of the viewers would uh, uh, would agree with that. In fact, it was kind of funny on the Funniest Complaints blog. Somebody commented, and I think the only thing worse than Kenneth and Ryan are diehard Kenneth and Ryan fans. Because I did get a comment on the Funniest Complaints blog this week that was like, Oh, all, the, all these other people are idiots. Kenneth and Ryan are awesome. They're breath of fresh air. They're real. Everyone else is just boring. Yeah, it's fun to see see a team that's being real on themselves on the Amazing Race. It's like, did did did, did you watch the first episode? <laughs> you watched that first episode, and you didn't think that they were putting it on. <laughs> so there we go. I switch up the format with the tasks. Now we can sort of go through chronological order in terms of moments. This episode, Corey and Ivana kind of have a humorous one at the beginning, was saying that as personal trainers, they have a golden mind. And luckily, we didn't have to see see them taking breaks and having a golden shower. That's only the second mention of golden showers in 202 podcasts. And teams received $90 for this leg of the race, which is equivalent to the cost of a candy dish from The Simpsons. You know, $90, Ned! You have to at least phrase it like this. Teams must now head to Fort McMurray, Alberta, which was ravaged by wildfires last year. Totes and moats. Once they land, they have to find their next clue in the cars at the airport. They have $90 on this card for this leg, and caution, bullshit twist ahead. <laughs> and yes. also, did you know at the start times? Kenneth and Ryan won the first leg by a ridiculous margin. Yeah, it was 1.35am for Kenneth and Ryan, then Corey and Ivana at 2.25, Adam and Andrea at 2.38, uh, Sam and Paul 2.49, Zed and Shabira at 3.03, Karen and Bert at 3.29, Andrea and Ebony at 4.01, Danaria at 4.03, and then Megan and Courtney, we don't know, because they didn't give us a full start times, because they're awful. Yeah, only one, I don't think that's ever happened before, where just one team doesn't get a start time, which means that there must have been something wonky with maybe like a minor penalty, or or it's like, well, they're all going to be on the same flight anyway. Even though that's it's like, why show us all the other start times then, but just not show us that single one. Maybe it was like two minutes after, and they're like, eh, nobody's going to care. I don't know. I know that we have a few complaints already about this season, but I will complain to the death when we don't get start times properly. Why? You're just teasing us when you don't show us that final one because uh, it gives us the exact spread of how they finish from first to last, with the exception of Aaron and Deb. And uh, Shabir tells an old man story about Fort McMurray, where he's like, that's the place last year that had the big fire. It's like, thanks, thanks, Grandpa. That's the really obvious place that obviously we were going to be going to because we don't leave the country. <laughs> and then I think Andrea and Ebony are becoming the queens of unintentional humor this season because they said they took a penalty on the first leg and they refused to use the P word. Of course, this is coming from the person who uses the P word as a face mask when they go to sleep at night. What P words... Um... Would Andrea and Ebony actually approve of being used? <laughs> yes. <laughs> In fact, what what are Andrea and Ebony's um, least favourite p-words? Go. Um, well, they're from Montreal, so it won't be poutine. No, it wouldn't be poutine. That's that's good. That one's off the table. All I can think of is inappropriate ones. <laughs> that might be why I said it. But yeah, so they're not going to use the p word. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to use the word for uh, another word for a kitten as their face mask. They don't like Kenneth and Ryan, so they don't like Pratt's. <laughs> yes. Moving on. <laughs> and 
Dan and Rhea may go down in terms of the casual fans' eyes as probably the least one of the least pop, maybe the least popular early boot of any Amazing Race Canada season ever. Like Emin and Jillian got a lot of hate last season, but that's because they lasted all season long, and teams and fans, casual fans, usually forget about the early boots and stuff and don't really criticize them too much. But this is the first time where a team who gets eliminated early receives a whole lot of hate and in a series that's gone way too extreme with the whole patriotism and nationalism. And of course this episode really fueled that fire by going to Fort McMurray that in an episode that's all about being Fort Mac strong and Northern strong and hashtag we the North we have a team of YouTubers who are already going to be made fun of to begin with, who didn't know what a tightrope was, and now didn't know the Canadian National Anthem and chuckled about it. And I think, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm defending Dan and Rhea because the Canadian National Anthem is, I mean, when you're listening to music, when you're like picking songs for a CD, I mean, Michael, do you have God Save the Queen when, when you go drive around from place to place? You know exactly what I have playing in my car, because we've discussed them many times on the podcast. Yes, which is equally atrocious, but that's a whole other subject. You're wrong. <laughs> Bear in mind, Logan, Logan's music sense includes, like, Brat Pack with three Ts. Just putting it out there. And I, on that note, I did introduce um, the guy I sit next to at work to the Wonders of B44 a couple of weeks ago. Oh, you did! If you get down on me, I'll get down on you. We were talking about the worst songs in musical history, and it was just the two of us in the office, so I did play Before 4 Get Down, and then Friday, at the end of uh, the Friday shift a couple of weeks ago. Just to sort of celebrate the weekend. Yeah, it's, it's fun, 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 fun. Looking forward to the weekend. Um. So anyways, uh, yeah. Like, who... I can't think of a single person who gets into the car... And they're blasting the Canadian national anthem, you know, and just, you know, riding dirty through Vernon or Vancouver or Toronto, you know, just, hey, let's do a drag race. Let's kick up those tunes. Oh, wait, that's the American national anthem. <laughs> just just wind the window down and sort of low ride and you just hit, oh, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> but, sir, like, it's, I mean, the closest thing. To the Canadian National Anthem being a cool song is the version that Classify did, but that was mainly about maritime patriotism. Like, that's the closest thing to a patriotic song that's going to be popular. And here we are, you know, and now, I mean, nobody really, like, sings the National Anthem other than when they're in elementary school. That's that's my experience, anyway. After, like, grade 7, you know, you don't have to sing the National Anthem anymore. Unlike in just, You're just never in a situation. I think maybe I went, oh, no, I did go to one Remembrance Day assembly. Uh, last November was my first time going to a Remembrance Day uh, event. But other than that, I have never heard the Canadian National Anthem performed. Unless you're, like, at a, I guess, a sporting event, too. But I don't really watch Canadian sports live or ever at all. Like, I watch Blue Jays games, but I'm... I live too far away from Toronto to go there and, you know, hear the Canadian National Anthem at the start of a game. So, I mean, you can't blame Dan Rhea for not knowing the Canadian National Anthem, but I bet you they probably know the lyrics to My Humps by Black Eyed Peas. And nobody's, and, and that's a Canadian band. So nobody's going to make you, nobody's going to make the rest of Canada feel ashamed if they don't know the lyrics to My Humps. 
It's um, the complete opposite to America, where if you don't know the national anthem, uh, you'll basically excommunicate. <laughs> I mean, four years ago, me and my brother did 11 weeks around America. We were in uh, Epcot at Disney for 4th of July, and they put on this big patriotic concert, and we actually got evils because we didn't stand up for the national anthem when it got sung. Oh, yeah. Yeah, States is pretty big about that. Like, uh, I remember being really young. I think I was like eight or nine years old, and we went over to Seattle to watch the Seattle Mariners baseball game, and I was wearing a hat, and my brother's like, yeah, the American National Anthem is about to start. You may or may not want to remove your hat, Logan. <laughs> it's like, why? I, I don't like my hair. But I did it anyways, because apparently um, Americans may or may not be willing to beat up an eight-year-old Canadian at a baseball game. Although something similar happened to me uh, last week at Fantastic when I was on a bus and a cup of beer was thrown at my legs. I was the unintended target, but two different groups were arguing over which hockey team was better and cups of beer were thrown. So maybe it's not too far of a stretch. And, um, yeah, all I got was just glares and sort of people going, why the fuck are you standing up? Because, A, I'm not going to expose myself as a Brit on 4th of July because, you know, they'll try and chuck me in the uh, the harbour or whatever. But also, you guys wouldn't sing our national anthem. <laughs> Just putting it out there. <laughs> so, Dan and Rita, of course, after not knowing the Canadian national anthem, it was 4 o'clock in the morning, so maybe they would have known a few more lyrics if they had more sleep. But, of course, they talk about... Uh, John Montgomery's cologne, and then we get specific details about their personal life, which means they're probably going to be eliminated this episode. Game over. <laughs> Game over. And then, of course, Megan and Courtney plug the BMO card. <laughs> which is one of the best ever. <laughs> I've missed Tark doing this. How are you going to pay for this? With our super-duper luxurious awesome BMO card, which is available to anybody who wants to open up a bank account. It's just like, lift it off the page, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I, I've missed Tark's ridiculous card product placements. And the, how are you going to pay for this? We are going to use our BMO card. And, unfortunately, because they filmed this episode too early on in the year, we do not get any shirtless oil workers uh, for the viewers at home. Sorry, you're all disappointed. What's that? I know you would love that. It's the one thing you were looking forward to this week, was just some <laughs> some topless men. <laughs> I hate, hate to break it to you, but I'm currently topless now. We work hard. We play hard. Thanks, Zoe. <laughs> and then, of course, Megan. instead we get a burp from Megan. So it's all good. And then, of course, we get the trees. We look at the trees, and then we get a Sarajevo story, which then we get the whole Grateful to be Canadian thing, and then we get the rope course, and then Kenneth describing himself as a triple threat. Yeah, let's just be perfectly honest here. War is not equal to fire. Yes. They are two completely different things. Producers, it is very manipulative to splice these two things together. Did you see that we have the new James Duthie on Twitter? No, I didn't. Um, there's this new woman who's uh, interviewing all the teams and stuff before the season, and I think she's probably going to be part of like the mid-season recap if one exists, and also the after-the-race special. I think her name is, what, Jennifer Edinger, I think it is? She's fairly active on Twitter for Amazing Race as well. 
And then she was on Twitter saying, yes, Kenneth is the triple threat. I'm a triple threat. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this could be as bad as James Duffy. I don't know yet. I mean, Dan is a triple threat because he is uh, <laughs> he's emotional, physical, and spiritual. <laughs> so it's the answer is, Dan, I don't think you know what a triple threat is. <laughs> And also, I love how Zed and Shabir immediately thought, hmm, it's going to be a dancing task It's Amazing Race Canada. Shabir's doing it. <laughs> Which is not a bad gamble, because Amazing Race Canada typically doesn't go more than two episodes without a dancing task. Yeah, but you're literally outside a high-wise course. It's probably not going to be anything other than high-wise. It hasn't stopped them before, especially in the prairies, where dance tasks are very frequent. And then Shabir, of course, because it's not a dance task, this, of course, gives him an excuse to utter another uh, motivational quote that puts us to sleep. And then uh, Andrea is channeling her inner monkey and shoves, and apparently loves to shove clues in her bra, so that was kind of amusing. And then, oh, the guy behind the computer desk at the Highway 69 uh, help desk. Whoa, that was an awesome beard. Do you see the beard on that guy? Yeah, I thought you might get bad envy of him. <laughs> Man, that was like computer geek beard right there. Well, to be fair, he probably wasn't expecting to appear on television that day. Also, I've just looked up Jennifer Essinger. She's going to be interesting if she's hosting it. Is that a good interesting or a bad interesting? Um, I think she's going to be quite irritating just from reading her Twitter right now. And then we get more breast humor on this episode, because after Andrea shoves the clues in her bras, in her bra... Courtney complains that her breasts are sweating. So, yeah. R- real uh, real top-heavy humour for this episode. And we've already discussed how restrictive harnesses are, so... Just saying. <laughs> it just smacks her down. And Catherine uh, has the genuine fear of falling as well. Not a fear of height, it's just a fear of falling from a really high distance. Yeah. I mean, I'm the same. I'm not bad with heights. I just like to feel safe when I'm high up. That's the same with me, where if, like, if I'm just at a high distance, I'm okay, but if it's, but if it's, like, a wobbly ladder, then I'm kind of freaking out. Yeah, if it's a roller coaster where I am not feeling safe, then I will not go on it. And falling from roofs kind of, fall, kind of, uh, kind of runs in my family, especially on my mother's side, because two years ago, my uncle fell from his roof on April Fool's Day, so no one believed him when it actually happened. And then a week ago, another one of my uh, mother's brothers, uh, he fell off his roof. So we're just going to all stay off roofs for now. That's really weird, because I heard that the members of your mother's family pushed people off roofs and made it look like an accident when they were back in Italy. Yeah, and then make us offers that we couldn't refuse. Oh, mafia jokes. (laughs) Yes. So let's see. And then Sam and Paul... They, they're not going to really get... They're pretty much getting the Nick and Matt edit so far, where they're not going to get much airtime, but I have a feeling it's going to be more significant later on in the season as they start up their rivalry, rivalry with Kenneth and Ryan by stating that Kenneth and Ryan's triple express pass was pretty much going to be meaningless. It's not good. Yes. And pretty much just making fun of Kenneth for uttering when all three express... Each of the three express passes were taken. So I think we're... We're sadly going to see a season three repeat showdown there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if you found three express passes, you wouldn't shout about it, would you? No. You would hide them and then run the lame bajazes off that course. 
Yes, or ask other people, like, hey, did you find one? Did you? Where is it? I've been trying to find it. This sucks. If you're going to use the Express Pass as a social tool, you try and minimise the number of people who know you have it. Because if there's a U-turn coming up, you can bet your bottom dollar you'll get targeted. Just to make you use it. Or what would be funnier is if, like, when Kenneth found each one, if he just flicked, flicked it backwards or something, and be like, okay... Whoever wants to jump off this ropes course to claim the express pass on the ground, go for it. And just see the mad scramble for it as teams collide. That might not have been a bad idea, actually. Did I tell you when I did my high ropes course last February that, um, because it was literally just me on that course because it was midday, midweek, um, my instructor was chatting to this guy in the park, literally underneath the course, and shouted up to me and tried to get me to show this guy how the harness works. I'm like, I am not deliberately jumping off this course. I am perfectly happy attached to whatever obstacle I'm on right now. No. <laughs> and for some reason, when the detour starts, we get the jet and cord music when it's introduced for Pull It. We get an eagle screech at the start as well. We get lots of eagle screeches. It's like they know that's their best sound effect in their repertoire, so they just keep plugging it in throughout the episode. It's like Amazing Race Canada finds something that people like at the time, and then they... You, then they just run it into the ground as much as possible. It's it's a habit of theirs over five years. And we also um, get to see a friendly Albertan help, Adam and Andrea. Yes. But this is what I mean by why there needs to why teams in Amazing Race Canada are never really truly tested, because they're just traveling around Canada, so if they get lost, just wave a car over, because you know how, how to do that culturally, since that's your country. Communicate with the driver in perfect English, and you're off. Like, you, you don't get to really lose that much time or risk really screwing yourself over by asking for directions. And didn't Suki and Jinder get a bit lost on their second episode? Yes, yes, they did. I, I think they got lost quite a bit in their first uh, few rounds, if I'm not mistaken. Just going to put that out there. <laughs> and they did get a massive winner's edit this week. Adam and Andrea had a... They show they they were really promoting their huge comeback this leg. I just love that we're getting the slightly sibling bickery stuff now. Yeah, like Adam at the detail saying, as soon as uh, he saw Dre shoot the clay pigeon down, he knew that he would be able to do it, and then they immediately show him not being able to do it. Yeah, it was a bit of a contrast to Monty's just like that, which was like a really bad imitation of Mike Goldberg from UFC because that's. For those of you who haven't seen the end of a UFC fight, whenever a fighter gets submitted or finished, Mike Goldberg always ends each fight with, just like that. And it's kind of funny that, that uh, John Montgomery tried to imitate that, but it just doesn't have the same power behind it. You know, just like that. Rule 10 of Mandy's Fight Club, guys. No guns. So, um, yeah. And then, of course, the firefighting, as discussed earlier, was the 150 challenge. Then we get the terrible hose joke. Uh, we get Highway 16. Highway 69 leads to a group of hose. Who knew? What's funny with uh, this, because with it being in Fort McMurray, with the whole tragedy and everything, is that, especially with BC, like a lot of my uh, cousins and aunts and uncles have been evacuated over the past week, which was kind of an eerie time for this episode to air. But... I know people who are afraid to put their hand out their window because it looks like they're throwing out a cigarette out of the window and people are taking pictures of cars in front of them of people who they suspect flicked a cigarette out. 
So it's kind of funny that when Andrea's trying to flag down that car, that looks like she's flicking a cigarette out the window, too, in Fort McMurray. And I'm thinking, wow, this could be interpreted very, very poorly. <laughs> you thought your response was good last time. Try this, guys. Yes. It's like, man, in an episode dedicated to firefighters, I certainly don't want to be caught on national television looking like I'm flicking a cigarette out the window. <laughs> Dre is the true villain of the season. <laughs> Yes. Adam wiggles his butt, Andrea wiggles cigarettes. And I think that, thanks to the puppet detour, we have two contenders for the banner this week, and it's probably going to be either Megan and Courtney or, or Andrea and Evany's reactions to the hose. Yes. Because they made me chuckle. Yeah, what do they say? Oh yeah, when Andrea, or, uh, when Andrea and Ebony are like, oh, they also got, uh, Andrea and Ebony are caught into in a First Nations controversy because they did utter the word savage even though it wasn't even in reference to any First Nations people, they were just saying that the hose was savage. And they were on First Nations land, supposedly, when they said it. So that was taken out of context. And then when Andrea has the hose in her hand, they're like, she's like, give me more! Give it to me! Give it to me! Which is an audio that desperately needs to be clipped. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> and then, uh, let's see... I was kind of amused by the way that uh, Shabby uh, Shabir uh, zipped by uh, Rhea on the ropes course when he's just very casually just sliding by on a zip line, and of course we get the re-explanation of Andrea's knee injury when she did an easy layup in basketball, and of course the position of Ebony's hose was amusing. It looked like a Khalees milkshake uh, music video or. Uh, Christina Aguilera and uh, Can't Hold Us Down music video when Christina Aguilera is holding a hose in a very suggestive manner. Is it any wonder when Logan grew up with his references? That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yes, I am dating myself quite well. Welcome to 2005, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, oh, um, Shabir, who I have frequently compared to Mahatma Gandhi... When he's at the detour with Zed, it's kind of funny that Shabir is shocked that Zed knows how to use a gun, and then Shabir has never used a gun. Who knew the guy we compared to Gandhi would not be accustomed to using guns? Well, to be fair, guns don't kill people. Rappers do. Yes. I don't think Bert's killed anybody. Dirt Gritty does not have a record, Michael. I'm not saying that he does, I'm just not ruling it out. And Andrea and Ebony, when they're at the math, say that they have a weight problem, which is kind of amusing when they're not even the team that eats cheesecake for breakfast. But they're not nearly goofy enough to eat cheesecake for breakfast, are they? And I must say that this week was very fitting to have a task that involved calculating the center of gravity as a math problem with the oil workers, because a few days ago... I purchased a ticket to see Snoop Dogg perform at the Center of Gravity in Kelowna on July 29th. Connection. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, we get Megan's love of math, of math so nerd. Um, I can't comment, can I? So, you know. <laughs> um, and then, oh, you know how... Like, YouTubers and stuff, YouTube personalities have a habit of really over-exaggerating things. No, they don't. Well, Dan and Rhea really over-exaggerate because as soon as Rhea finishes that task after Corey and Ivana do, 
she says, I honestly thought I was going to die. And I'm thinking, no, Rhea, you did not honestly think you were going to die on the world's smallest rope adventure ropes course in history on national television. Stop exaggerating. She literally thought she was going to die. When, when I volunteered to be a triple threat, I knew I was signing my death warrant and that Dan would have to be like a, a racer from the Amazing Race China Celebrity Edition and have to run the next two episodes on his own until production could find a new partner for him. Yeah, the, the triple threats, by the way, because that was the roadblock hint, were Kenneth, uh, Karen, Shabir, Andrea, Courtney, Paul, Corey, Rhea, and Andrea. Just so we've got it down on the record. Yes. Also, Megan is not the only math nerd, given that Sam says that he works in finance. Oh, yeah, I just read that in my notes. It just wasn't very interesting to mention. Oh, um, Adam and Andrea, because Adam constantly references Andrea as Dre, so it's kind of funny that a racer nicknamed Dre is very good with guns, and Adam at one point even said, we're rolling with Dre. So apparently we've got the G-Funk straight out of Compton uh, theme going on here with the uh, with a brother-sister team that's Italian from Montreal, Quebec. I'm pretty sure that she's only got a master's, though. She hasn't got her PhD yet. Yeah, so she's not a doctor yet. She's just Dre. She's just Dre MD. <laughs> no, she's Dre MSC. Or, yes, Dre MSC. <laughs> and then, of course, we get the boring scene of Kenneth and Ryan using their express pass to get uh, Karen and Bert to show them the answer. And then Karen's revealed as a big math nerd, so that was a pleasant surprise. So Karen and Bert aren't as weak of a team as they were presented to be last week. Nope. And once teams find the 16th hole of the Miskinar golf course, the pit stop for this leg of the race, the last team to check in may be eliminated. It is a glorious win for Megan and Courtney. And they win a trip to Auckland, Ontario. No, it's Auckland, New Zealand. Although somebody online complained saying... Why are the prizes going to international destinations? Why aren't they giving them prizes to places in Canada? This is supposed to be Amazing Race Canada. Come on, guys. It's like, who honestly wants to have a prize to go to the Yukon? Nobody. That's not a prize. That's a punishment. That's exile. Best complaint ever. <laughs> you get a one-week exile to the Yukon. Maybe by round four, Kenneth and Ryan, if we're lucky, are going to win a prize for two, a two-week adventure to Caluate. That is the best complaint ever. It's just like, yeah, people are really going to want to check in first if they win a trip to the middle of fucking nowhere. If that were to happen, Nally and Megan would have happily settled for seven second place finishes. They would have just let Mickey and Pete take all the prizes. It's just so good. By round five, they could win a prize to Flin Flon. And yes, that's a real town in Canada, Flin Flon. I just love that someone decided that they were that pissed off that Megan and Courtney won a trip to New Zealand that they had to complain about it on Facebook and say, why can't the prizes stay in Canada as well? Is it going to blow that person's mind when they leave the country after next week? And Megan and Courtney say that winning the second leg of the Amazing Race Canada in Fort McMurray was the best day of their entire life. And I can't help but mention their uh, the, their pilot for the helicopter because... I thought there would have been a couple of funny alternative scenes because he's the guy in the helicopter who said, who said uh, see? See that house? See that orange house? That was my house that burned down. It didn't matter what was going on that day. You just came in and did your job. And then it'd be funny if they go back to Fort McMurray in another five seasons from now and it's the same pilot and he said, 
See that house, an orange house? It burned down and then it turned into a Starbucks. And then... Or even better. See that house over there? Yeah, the one with the orange roof? Yeah, that's where my bitch ex lives. That was going to be my next joke! I'm not even kidding! Suck it, Saunders. I was... That was in my notes. I had... You still... My next part of my notes was going to be like, see that house over there? See, See that orange house? That's my house. See that house two blocks away? That's where my ex lives. And see that house across the street? That was the mistress. That was the male mistress. She cheated on me with that bastard. Why does the pilot sound like Mike? I don't know. <laughs> the Pearl lives with them now. <laughs> but yeah, it, may, it makes a change for me to, you know, steal your jokes rather than the other way around. Yeah. See the house? That's where my kids spend six days a week. That orange house, they only spend one day. And it's a supervised dinner. Why is it just a supervised dinner? They say I have anger issues. Why is it a supervised dinner, Liz? <laughs> You're going to supervise me and do what, Liz? Make us turn around and drive two hours back the other way? This podcast is weird today. Uh, I can't believe you stole my joke because I didn't even post it online yet. I'm like, I can save this for the podcast. I'll post the Starbucks one on Twitter and then have like the the, the bitchy ex-wife joke, but... No, you beat me too at Harmstone. Uh, you 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 earned ten points for Gryffindor uh, this week. Well done. You knew exactly where my mind was headed. <laughs> I mean, after a hundred and forty-one podcasts together, I think I know your jokes quite well. <laughs> I had a whole script written out too for it. Even better. I love stealing your jokes. <laughs> and the pit stop greeter is a deputy, but sadly, it's not deputy. Minister Patana, it's Deputy Brad Granger, which who may or may not be related to Hermione Granger. No, it's Deputy Firewood Bitch, Brad Granger. Deputy Firewood Bitch, Brad Granger. Classic Survivor Amazon reference. Um, as soon as they called him the deputy, that is immediately where my mind went. It's just like, <laughs> oh, he's Deputy Firewood Bitch, that's so good. <laughs> Deputy Firewood Bitch, Deputy Minister Patana... Deputy Brad, Brad Hermione Granger. That's three pop culture references, I think, were, were set. And Mandarin Ebony finished the leg in second place, where they say this time it's a real number two, which I thought was another P word that they were not going to mention. Well, no, a, a real number two is how to describe this season so far. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, of course, Sam and Paul check in third, and they, get a, of course, get baited it by Monty to... Praise the firefighters. Sam and Paul winner at it. No, it's too subtle. They're more Nick and Matt, I think. I think they're end gamers, but not winners. It's too small of an edit after two weeks. We'll see. I still have a hope that Kenneth and Ryan will lose. And then, uh, of course, fourth place belongs to Karen and Bert with Kenneth and Ryan right behind. Kenneth and Ryan supposedly are going to expect a. Uh, Something in return with their third express pass. They do know they have one leg left to hand this out, right? Yeah. So they don't get much of an option here. Everyone could just be like, screw you, fuck you, we're not going to do anything for you, and you have to choose one of us anyway. Yeah, it's going to get to the point, if they're not careful, where they try and check in at the next pit stop, and Monty says, guys, you've got to pick it now. You've got to pick a team, guys. Guys. Rule 11 of Monty's Fight Club. No triple express passes. Yeah. I don't know why he sounds like a valley girl now. 
Oh my god, you have three express passes. It's Can totally Mommy's Fight Club. It's like that oh, bitch. I'll give you a neck massage. <laughs> she only eats cheesecake. You can only eat cheesecake one day a week. If you eat cheesecake three days a week, Megan, then you can't sit with us at lunch. <laughs> Monty's Fight Club is so fetch. <laughs> we're gonna go. We're, we're, we're... <laughs> I can't even do it. Monty's a Valley Girl, maybe. <laughs> maybe Monty's... Monty's Valley Girl Fight Club. <laughs> Monty's... Monty's a Valley Girl, maybe. Another fun running joke. Uh, Monty hasn't spoken to us at all this season, which is really weird. Yes. The first reel of Monty's Fight Club has been modified, guys. I'm, I'm get to be the only natural redhead in this Fight Club. We can't have any other natural redheads because all the other natural redheads will be jealous of my redheadness. Rule 12 of Monty's Valley Girl Fight Club is no fake boobs. <laughs> Only sweaty ones, Courtney. It's real or no deal. <laughs> real or no teal deal. Sorry, Aaron and Deb, you can't be in our fight club. By the way, you can only wear sweatpants twice, twice a week. If you wear it more than twice a week, you can't sit. You can't. You can't. You can't be in Mommy's fight club. <laughs> is this, this going to turn into the new tar- "Where is Tower of Basra joke? <laughs> okay. Um. So let's see. Uh, See, Andrea likes the suit of the... I don't even know who she likes the suit of, because my notes weren't specific enough. It's going to be Deputy Firewood Bitch, Brad Granger. Yeah. So, Zen Shabir check in in sixth place. Adam and Andrea are seconds behind in seventh. It started off ugly, and then Andrea got confidence back, and now they can win the race. Hopefully. And then... Corey and Ivana celebrate at first, but realize Dan and Rhea are somehow only seconds behind after working together with them for the mo- most for most of this leg. And then, well, actually only the first part of it with the highway drive. Strike that statement. And apparently Corey and Ivana and Dan and Rhea have screwed up so much this leg that it's the only time where Vonti and Brad Granger have to turn around to see who the eighth place team is because neither team can even check into the pit stop correctly. Did you notice um, how Monty showed uh, Corey and Ivana that they were the eighth team? No. All we saw is he had crossed fingers. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And then, of course, it was very subtle moments that I don't think people even heard because it's fairly quiet on the audio. But Corey said he made it by the skin of his dreads. And I should note that it's very unfortunate, but um, over the past two weeks, Corey and Ivana have given themselves a nickname. And it's unfortunate that... Panda, panda, panda. Yes. And there was a contestant from Big Brother who watched these first two weeks and has accused all of us of referring to Corey Nirvana as pandas. And since that happened, Megan from Big Brother uh, quit her run on the show after referring to Corey Nirvana as Team Panda. And I was under the impression that Pandas was actually the correct description of what production is doing to the Canadian audience. Pandering. Exactly. So, yeah, Dan and Rhea, last place, and eliminated. I even wrote down in my notes, what a surprise. (laughs) After what we saw last week, and just, I don't think they've really seen much Amazing Race at all, or were really prepared for it whatsoever... And after referencing their YouTube channel, 
way more than any other social media team in Amazing Race history. They're gone by two episodes. Yeah, at least for them, they get better content for their channel. They'll probably do reactions of of the rest of Amazing Race Canada or something. Yeah. And only other notes really on this episode is that the Express passes. Another knock against it is that it's probably going to expire within after two within the next two eliminations, possibly two to three eliminations, depending if another team gets eliminated next week. So if a team gets eliminated next week, we'll be down to seven teams with three non-elimination legs that have to pretty much be burned through really quickly. No pun intended. Um, and which really means that there's only going to be two even worthwhile legs where if a team saves themselves with an express pass, it's only going to be useful if they use it for those two eliminations where an express pass will still be valid. Yeah. So what you're saying is the express passes are irrelevant. Even more irrelevant than usual. Yay. So, next time, teams are heading to Castlegar, and there is uh, a swing. Teams do a ghost, hammer, and there's an unexpected turn, apparently, which means it'll be a really predictable elimination. It'll probably be a to-be-continued leg, would be my guess. But they're going international after that leg. They could still do it that way. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure they would. But then again, we thought this week would be non-elimination, so... What do we know? Yeah, and who do you have going out next week? I think it's probably going to be a non-elimination. I think it's going to be non-elimination too, but we still got to figure out who's going to be who's going to be last. Corey Nirvana, I reckon. I'm thinking it's going to be Zed and Shabir. I have a feeling that our top four for I'm already predicting the top four for this season. I think it's going to be Corey Nirvana, Sam and Paul, Adam and Andrea, and Kenneth and Ryan. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. And if Zed and Shabir aren't the last place team next round, I think it could be Andrew and Ebony because after two episodes, they're just such a wacky, crazy, crazy team that I have no idea how they'll perform week to week. There's so much unintentional comedy there, it's hilarious. I want them to stick around as long as possible, though. Yeah, so do I. Hopefully, that's why I'm hoping next week's an elimination. So if Andrew and Ebony get last... Fans online are going to be like, oh, they quit the first task and they were saved by the first elimination. This is rigged. This is rigged. This is rigged. And that really does it for me this week. I have no other notes. And neither do I. So I think we can wrap it up. All right. Thank you for listening to another podcast. Uh, you can follow me at Log Sipikuwaki on Twitter. And you can follow Michael Harmstone at MJ Harmstone on Twitter. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube and our new channel yeah subscribe to us on the youtube on the itunes to search reality cv warriors you'll see the logo which has actually now updated which is awesome that's a, another great side effect of changing the host the uh, the logo on itunes actually finally updated yeah subscribe to us on itunes subscribe to us on podium all the links are everywhere so yeah all right have a nice peace. week everybody yeah have enjoy the weekend and peace out and just chill till the next episode and i will give everyone's love to brooke and scott do 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 do